You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Yeah, not much new on this end other than we are still excited over the fact that Arizona Post, Peace Officer Standards and Training, is now using the Simmons theory of the psychological garbage can and the training as the state standard, not just post-certified. Right. We've been, I've been post-certified on these courses Forever. for, yeah, at least. And uh, now it's the state standard, and now we just got to figure out how we're going to teach in 17 academies, <laughs> something like four times a year. and. Yeah. Yeah, it, we, we may have to buy a plane. That would be challenging. Or maybe we can just get Taylor Phoenix. Taylor Swift is selling one. <laughs> Who is? Taylor Swift. Oh, <laughs> I'm sh- maybe she'll give it to us. Yeah, right. She should donate that to the She's nonprofit. Isn't that the truth? Really, what we need is a helicopter because we got that pilot. We Wonder if Phoenix would just let us use one. They got a spare one <laughs> in their hangar, I'm sure. They don't use that all the time. That's we'll right. have to ask Aaron about that, see if we can borrow his helicopter and let him fly us around. Yeah, it's going to get crazy around here. But, yeah, good stuff. And then we have a a bill going in, in, that's running around the Senate here in Arizona okay. that's going to be something exciting to talk about in the upcoming weeks. And uh, we'll fill the audience in, but it's going to be something that uh, I think could probably change the way under the shield scene and our stress coaching and training and what we're doing uh, could make a big difference. That's right. And like I told you on the meeting the other day, as soon as it passes, I'm headed to Turks and Caicos and going, you people have fun. See you later. 32 years of my life. Y'all take it and run with it. Well, you did say as long as you have Internet and phone connection, you can do it. No, I'm turning my phone off. It's going to get shut off. Uh Uh-uh. No, no chance. (laughs) Well, tell us about our guests today. Well, our guests today are Rick and Uh Buddy. Uh-oh. Looks like we lost one. Uh, he'll, He'll be back in. (laughs) <laughs> we have the most important one, the wife. She that, runs this joint. Right. We know that. She knows what's going on. She tells him what to say. So since Bonnie's here right yeah. now, Bonnie is a, a nurse, uh, an ICU nurse, which, man, that's that's got to be a challenging position yeah. to be in. Uh, and Rick is a retired now volunteer firemen because the fire guys just never understand how to retire those slab savers i'm just telling you they're special bunch (laughs) well welcome to our show how are you guys today good just getting up (laughs) and wait a minute you're two hours ahead of us don't they're they're in maryland they're on the east coast we're over here and you know it's what i know what time it is here but it's after nine and you just you just getting up at 11 were you called out during the night no, I have a, uh, an excuse. I was prescribed trazodone. Oh, yeah, we need to talk about that. <laughs> we, yes, we do. Yeah, we have a we have a, a we have a better solution than trazodone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a I've little been up bit. Since six, if that helps. You have what? I've been up since six. Good for you. I've been up since three thirty. My German Shepherd decided it was time to get up. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to the trainer today. I get peace and quiet now for the next four days. 
That's my vacation <laughs> when go. Mac goes off to school. <laughs> Boarding school. <laughs> she may find herself there permanently if she's not careful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why 3.30 has become her new time, but okay, whatever. I'll let Jeremy break that habit. There you go. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you guys, how you met, how you wound up in the crazy lifestyles that you're in, because both of you are involved in some interesting, a little bit of adrenaline junkies going on on both sides of this house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess, what year was it? Oh, oh, you're going to be in trouble. In 88? I think it was 88. 87, 88, something like that. I had uh, two years on the fire department as a paid man, paid guy. And uh, I was in, I took a class called Instructor One. And I get into this class and I see this long haired blonde girl. And I'm watching her thinking, what's she doing in the fire service around a bunch of freaking nasty guys? You know? <laughs> and then when you, when you see a, a, a woman in the fire service, you, you know, you're kind of like, what's she trying to prove? You know? <laughs> Uh-huh. Why are you home making me a sandwich? Oh, oh, oh! I, you know, this explains the gray beard and the bald head. You've yeah, been paying yeah. for that attitude for a lot of years, my friend. Uh-huh. Look, and I have a knitting needle. Right. <laughs> yeah, but but Bonnie, you're a nurse. You know where to stick the needle that nobody will ever look for. That's right. That's right. So we ended up uh, when we had this class. It was, uh, when I finished, it was kind of like, okay, I know who she is. She knows who I am. And then uh, I was kickboxing, the amateur. And I was, uh, I went in for the hospital for a neck injury. I got like whiplash. And she walked by, I'm sitting there in in a gurney with a neck brace on. And she's like, hey, I know you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that girl from school. And then we kept bringing patients to the hospital. She was working at the hospital that we took patients to in the ER, an emergency room as a register. And um, <sighs> we just kept seeing each other and seeing each other. And then this was the day of the toga parties. <laughs> Everybody had toga parties. <laughs> oh, I've tried to forget those. I really appreciate you bringing that back up. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Ended up going to the, um, I took a friend, she took a friend. We didn't know we were both all going to be there. So, we end up at this toga party who now the woman that has it that had it is now a what is she a, a cancer doctor? she's a, a breast surgeon yeah good like, for her very yeah very very high status everybody goes to her um she had the party and you know I, we were like hey it's you you're we like hey it's you and then we just started talking and then by what was that what year april it's probably around April. Uh-huh. And then like, I guess what, June? Yep. We went to the beach together and hung out with each other's friends. And Yeah, but here's what I want to know, Bonnie. Did he really have whiplash or did he pretend to get hurt to see if you were around and what kind of sympathy you'd give him? I think he was really hurt because uh. he... um went home and he lived with a bunch of guys and they gave him flex rail and he thought if one is good two is better of course and they called me like three days later and they said hey he's face down on the couch you think he's dead <laughs> i don't think so i mean see if he's blue but probably not 
And it was one of those couches that you find on the side of the curb. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. It was a bunch of guys. We mm-hmm. lived in- <laughs> oh, look, somebody's throwing away a couch. You pull it over, you throw it in your truck. Yeah, kind of frat party kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. is, yeah, this is <laughs> the frat house. Uh, I, again, I'm having flashbacks of things I've tried desperately to forget. Uh-huh. That's how I lost my hair. <laughs> yeah, and I and something tells me these comments about why aren't you in the kitchen making me a sandwich probably are things that have carried on for many many years. Right. Yeah, that she's right. ignored, sorta. Yeah. Oh, they're filed there. I promise you, she can pull them right up. Every one of them. Dates, times. Oh, yeah. Bariatric pressure for that day. Yeah. I want to mark a date. I just say something like, that dress makes you look fat. And that will instantly mark that date. Uh huh. Right back. Yeah, you men, you know, I have a saying around here men are born stupid, and this is biblically sound, and you are proving it, my friend. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was. uh, like the teacher said, um, you know, you're going to end up with nothing but a blue collar job for the rest of your life. And I was like, damn it, she lucky guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> lucky guess. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, sure. Uh, so why the fire service? Uh, my dad. Mm-hmm. He did. He got hired. <clears throat> he started as a volunteer fireman in 1958. And then he got hired in 1962 I think it was 62 and um, he was a paid guy and then he ended up becoming um, a captain which in today's standards where he where he, his job was is a battalion chief mm-hmm. and um, he retired in 82 after 20 20 years I guess it was and <clears throat> I was working I just got out of high school and it was one of those things where you want to go to college and I was thinking I don't get college. I don't get, I go to some place and I pay this guy and he gives me work. And I'm like, <laughs> Gosh, I wish I I'd had that logic. Other, yeah, why don't I just go to somebody else, some other guy's place and I work for him and he pays me. Right. Seems much better, right? It is a better yeah, system. Yeah, it seems like it was more, more logic there. <laughs> but I ended up going back to school anyhow, because you had to, because that's what the workforce wants is somebody with a, uh, college credits mm-hmm. like Doesn't that really out. that really helps you with putting yeah, out yeah. fires and stuff i'm sure right right so i mean when i when i was i didn't have a college degree but i was competing with people on promotional exams they all had you know associates master's degrees mm-hmm. and, I, and i stood with them so you know the whole thing about don't confuse education with intelligence mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> factor i think we're seeing it on a daily basis on the national news right now as we speak but oh um, god yeah uh, yeah isn't that the truth so did your dad go back to being unpaid yeah he actually uh, when he retired he became a a volunteer fire chief (laughs) wow and uh yeah it's uh it was a circle of life he brought me down actually it'll be uh, april this year will be 40 years i've been in the fire service wow and he brought me down to the firehouse and said, you ever thought about, are you, you want to be a volunteer fireman? I'm thinking, yeah, because I was in a, a dead end job working in a mail room for a credit card company. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was 19 and, uh, they voted me in and I started talking to the guys that were working there, the paid guys. 
And they're like, well, what kind of shift do you guys have? And they're like, well, we work 24 and we're off 48. And my brain started thinking, I'm thinking, that's nine days a month, 108 days a year. Oh, sign me up. They get paid for sleeping. And eating. And working out. Yeah. Yep. There's only two kinds of people that get paid for laying on their back. That's right. Grossman Grossman talks about this regularly. Absolutely. That's you guys. So so I'm thinking, oh, how do we become a paid guy? And back then it was a little bit different. You didn't uh, walk in off the streets. You actually had to go through like a hazing. You have to take classes and and show the guys that you have good work ethics. That you're committed to it. Yeah. 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 When it came time to do the hiring, they picked the the best volunteers. Oh, so you actually volunteered at the fire department where you were going wanted to be hired? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. So um, how, how long did it take? Full of letters saying, "Sorry, we on. can't hire you because you're a white male." Of course. <laughs> you're 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 100 trained, qualified, healthy, mm-hmm. ready to go day one, but you're a white male. So sorry. And you're how long? How long did that two, go on? Two years. Two okay. years. And then did you paint your face and body and go, hey, I've changed my race here, and now you can hire me? <laughs> Could have done it today. Yeah, it was uh, It was very discouraged. I was paying for my forefathers, mm-hmm. you know, issues back in the slave days. So, sure. I mean, yeah, it, they needed it because the workforce was nothing but white males. Mm-hmm. So, but the problem is, is they ended up lowering the standard. Sure. And we ended up getting people that should have never been hired in the first place, but they are hired because, I mean, it's, look at the Biden administration. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're there because of their skin color, not, yeah. So. Not an intelligence thing, that's for sure. No, um, no. But, I, I mean, in a way, I have friends that I would have died for, still die for today, that I, that I, I would have never had met if it wasn't for affirmative action. Yes. So things played out. It played out. Well, and that's the whole thing. It's about, you know, when especially when you're talking about things, nurses, doctors, um, airline pilots, I'm kind of picky about them having some knowledge about what's happening up front, um, and police, fire. Uh, you know, I just want the best qualified person. I don't care, right. male, female, black, right. white, Hispanic, uh, gay, straight, yeah. whatever. Oh. I just want the people that are the most qualified to be there. And right. that's something I think this country's lost sight of, which to me is almost insulting to uh the other races and stuff too and things because we're saying they're not capable and we're going oh yeah i've met some very capable (laughs) way smarter than me ben carson is the name that comes to mind yeah you know i'm not i don't even deserve to breathe that man's air he's so intelligent but um so two years as a volunteer but were you still working in the credit card thing the rescue squad down the road in Bethesda, mm-hmm. there was a rescue squad there, and they were hiring people during the day to man the apparatus. So I I worked there for two years. Met a lot of interesting people there. Still friends with today. Nice. So nice. They were all, like, everybody down there, we called it the rescue college, and everybody down there was, uh, they either became a U.S. Park Police, Montgomery County Police, they a doctor, um, doctor, uh, Secret Service, um, DEA, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a 
a men's shelter. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. You're speaking my language. I was married to DEA for twenty, and yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah, those are some interesting people to say the least. Oh yeah, yeah. So how did your schedules work out though? She's an ER nurse, and I assume y'all didn't necessarily have a whole lot of time together there in the beginning. That's why we lasted 34 I was, years. Well, that's what I wondered. That was going to be my next comment. You've only been married about six years total. Yeah. Right. Sure. So we um, we had a nanny when our kids were younger that was willing to work around our schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked when he was off and he worked, you know, his schedule set in stone for 50 years. So I would just schedule around it. I mean, I didn't get a lot of sleep. He didn't get a lot of sleep. There were days that, and this used to be our argument when he would be at work, I used to say, you you act like we just don't exist at home. Me and the kids, we're just not even here because you're at work. Because he'd come home and he'd be like, I worked 24 hours. And I'd be like, I worked and had the kids mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he would come home, pull in the driveway and think, ah, oh, yeah. I just want to have a beer, go to the gym. And I'd be like, here, exactly. have a kid. There you go. That's it. I, I'm so, with you. I hear you. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. So, this ain't vacation time. <laughs> well, there were so many times we actually wrote it down on paper, like you had them this time, I had them this time, we both had them this time. Melissa, our nanny, had them this time. Mm-hmm. Like, see, we're both doing it, you know, because we both both felt like we were doing all of it. Yeah, sure. but I broke it down to contact time when they're awake and when they're asleep. <laughs> of course, <you> do. <laughs> because we all know that babies sleep all night. <laughs> Oh, wait, are we talking about you sleeping on them? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you should have been well-rested from the fire department because we know y'all just sleep and eat. So you should have been on vacation at work. There were nights that they didn't turn a wheel and he'd come home. Ugh. He's like, but my brain doesn't turn off on that. I don't sleep at the firehouse. Mm, I don't sleep at work. I always <laughs> tell people it's like. I work nights. Yeah. I want to come vacation with you people because we would have fun. Yes. Y'all need to come to Arizona. I got a room for you. We can sit on the back patio and that would be that. Yeah, that'd be fun. I I agree with you 100%. You're you're welcome anytime. So it worked out though. We, um, you know, our kids, we both were always there, always present. And people would say to Rick, well, what's your part-time job? Because firemen have part-time jobs. Of course they do. I, I have two kids. They're my job. They're my other job. Is he handy, though? Is he handy? Can he fix things? Oh, my gosh. He can fix anything. When he retired, he fixed things that weren't broken. He (laughs) built half of our house. He, he, Yeah, he can build anything and doesn't understand how I don't understand how he knows how to do that. He's like, because you just do. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, Because he's very handy. So Most cops are not, but I do find firefighters are. Tom's kind of the exception to the rule here. (laughs) But, you know, I would never let a a policeman mess with electrical in my house. (laughs) Yeah, normally that's not a good good idea. I don't care care what he says. Nope, not happening. Now, if you want to put a chair together, maybe, but I'm going to have him test it. (laughs) But fire guys, you bet, because I kind of figure if you screw it up, you're going to be the one to come fix it anyway. So... Right. So it worked for us. It was, I mean, shift work was good. You know, we, we built our family around it. And one time one of our kids said, can you believe that little Susie's parents are both home every night? <laughs> what, a yeah. what a pain. What a pain. also divorced now, so it's okay. But <laughs> there yeah. you go. How many children do you have? Two. And did they go into the fire service or nursing or anything even similar? Um, our son is a late bloomer. He's 27. 
Oh, he's, he's barely out he of diapers. He talks about it sometimes, mm-hmm. but who knows? You know, we were late bloomers too. So um, our daughter is in her last semester of nursing school. She has a couple of months left. Good. Yeah, so we'll see. Is, she, inter- do. is she interested in intensive care or is she in- had, does she have a whole different direction? Um, so she's a volunteer with Team Rubicon, mm-hmm. which is a, um, you know, a disaster relief organization. Yes. So she wants to do emergency management. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah, so she's kind of combining both of us Yeah. in her career. Good for her. Well, we understand y'all have have, had kind of taken on an interesting, what I would call ministry, um, there in your part of the world. Tell us about that. Martinez. Oh, with uh, the Wounded Warriors? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so it was um, one of the guys with my shift was uh, a former Marine. You can't say ex-Marine. Of course not. I have one of those, and he reminds me. He goes, Mom, don't say ex-Marine. I go, my son is a Marine who served, and now he's home, and he's done, because I don't know what else to to say. Our friend Rob Nishiyama. Yeah, so we ended up, um, we had to go to work one day. I think it was, uh, what day? Was it Memorial Day? I was at the beach. He was, uh, he had, neighbors had plans, and we all both had to just leave everything and go to work. So we're sitting there at lineup thinking, man, this sucks, you know, having to miss our family days on Memorial Day. And I was sort of, and we did, but well, we worked a mile away from Water Reed Hospital. Mm-hmm. That's what it used to be called, well, Navy Med, and now they changed it to Water Reed. Right. So we're like uh, a mile from Navy Med, and I was like, well, how do you think those guys feel down there at Water Reed that are, they have no idea where they're at? And we go, let's, let's do ribs today, and let's go, Let's go invite one of those guys to see if he wants some real food instead of hospital food. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah, sounds like a good plan. So we got on the fire truck. We rode on down to maybe Mad or Water Reed, whatever you want to call it. Wait, and wait, wait. I need I need you to back up a minute. We're complaining about being at work, <laughs> but we're cooking ribs. Is that what I hear you saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just wanted some clarification right. there. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Because we would have had ribs if we were at home anyhow. So Okay. All right. <laughs> you were better off at work. <laughs> so we ended up, uh, back then, you just drive through the gate. There was no security. And uh, it was, I think it was 2005, 10. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't remember the year it was. <clears throat> so I knew that the Marines were on the third floor. So we parked. We went in, elevated to the third floor, walked up to the uh, nurse's desk. And I asked the nurse, said, who's got a pass to get out of here for today? She looks at her clipboard and she goes, uh, Martinez. Well, what room? He's like, he's right around the corner to something, or 312. So we walked around the corner and there's this kid with no legs doing wheelies in a wheelchair. <laughs> and how many of firefighters in uniform, I assume, come four. tromping there through there? Yeah. yeah. So we go up. I said, are you Mike Martinez? He goes, yes, sir. He says, do you want to get out of here and go for a, uh, a rib barbecue? with us firehouse he goes yeah he goes can my mom come and then i see this head stick out the door she's like and it was uh sharon sharon martinez uh-huh. and we're like yeah do you guys need a ride and she goes no we have a courtesy van that will take us anywhere we want so i said all right you know we're going to eat around four o'clock today you know they showed up and we got a few pictures uh with mike and then he became a regular at the firehouse. He was like, hey, I'm, I got new scheduled uh, appointments today. Can I come hang out with you guys? I'm like, yeah. And so he had his uh, his fake legs. 
and he would get on the fire. I used to always tease because when we get a call, he would get on the fire truck faster than Scotty. <laughs> Scotty was like the oldest guy on our ship. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So we, we ended up, um, we, we ran a house fire, um, and Mike rode with us, mm-hmm. and we parked the unit, and it was hot. I remember it just being really hot. And so Mike went around to the driver's seat and got up front because the air conditioner's a little bit better up front. And uh, somebody banged, one of the chiefs banged on the door and asked him to move the apparatus. <laughs> oh. he, opens the, he opens the door up and he goes, I, w- I could. And he showed him his legs. And the, the, he said the look on this chief's face was, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. I think he should have so, tried it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he hung out with us for a while. And then um, I, was, uh, I was training uh, kickboxers. And most of our students were coming out of Camp David. Mm-hmm. And the Marines up there, they call them Yankee Whites. They all top uh, security clearance. I think they're the only mm-hmm. ones that are allowed to carry a loaded weapon other than the Secret Service around the president and police. Wow. So, I mean, they were his uh, protection when he was at Camp David. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the kids calls me up and says, I just found out a buddy of mine that I went to boot camp with is just got back into Bethesda and uh, he's messed up pretty bad. Can you go check on him? And I'm like, yeah, what's his name? And he's like, Mark Fiddler. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the name down. I went back to work the next day and I called Mike Martinez and said, hey, Mike, we're getting ready to go to check on a Marine that just came back in the country. And um, he goes, can I go? I'm like, yeah, you can go. So, all right, we're leaving around seven o'clock tonight. So he's, he came into the firehouse, he got on the fire truck, we drove on down to Walter Reed, and I hit a button on my computer to see what dispatchers are working mm-hmm. for that shift, and one of them was a friend of mine who used to drive me on the ladder truck. So I sent him a message, I said, hey, we're getting ready to go to visit another wounded warrior, uh, can you hide us? Meaning, you know, because we're still on duty. So right. can, can you just kind of look over us when it comes time for, you know, for the poll of us for a call? He goes, I got you. See, okay, cool. So we get off the fire truck. We go up to the ICU. We look in this window, and all we see is like a half of a man, like literally just a head and a torso. And there's constant work going around, you know, all the nurses and doctors. And then. And a fierce mother. Yeah. And then we walk into the family room, and there's all these redheaded kids. (laughs) There's Stacy and Mark. uh, Kerm, Mark's dad, and all the brothers and sisters and cousins. And Mike is standing there with a pair of shorts on and these robot legs. Uh-huh. And uh, I explained who I was and why I'm here. And then um, Mike told them the whole 911 of the whole, or 411 of the whole hospital. Like, stay away from this doctor, this nurse. <laughs> this is the best doctor here. This is the best nurse here. And um, we've been friends ever since. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I assume Mike is still someone who comes around periodically. Yeah. He's on, actually, he's on a podcast. He's a co-host on a podcast. It's called um, The Dumb Show. Don't Unfriend Me, I think it's called. It's a military guy talking about topics or stuff today, politics, whatever. It's a good show. Nice. He's happily married now, has a baby. Yeah. We fixed him up on a blind date one time. 
Oh, and boy. they talked about, um, yeah, didn't go so well. But um, so they were talking about running shoes. And she said to him, oh, were those comfortable? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to have to say to him, Martinez, pick up your legs. Like I would have to say to my kids, pick up your shoes because he yes. just throws legs everywhere. <laughs> so every time he threw his legs down, I would tie an ankle brace on one of them. Good for you. Good for pick you. Yes. <laughs> so yes. was going to Bethesda something that became kind of a regular for y'all to go yeah. up there and visit? Yeah. So we play in a bagpipe band for the fire department. Mm-hmm. And um, Susan Warren was like, um, what was she there? She, it was, she wasn't Wounded Warrior. She was Marines Helping Marines. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was an organization. And um, she was like the one, she was the uh, social director for everybody there. Nice. So she's like, hey, do you guys want to play the bagpipes for the Wounded Warriors, for the Marines? For I'm like, yeah. So we, we brought a, a, a whole bagpipe unit there and played uh, for one of their cookouts. And, <laughs> a lot of their cookouts. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them. And then uh, we ended up meeting this guy, uh, um, Eric Burkett. He was a major that was, uh, he, he was in an Osprey crash. He was a pilot. Mm-hmm. And he ended up um, losing his legs. And he was a Scottish guy and he loved bagpipes. So we give him the mace, put his wheelchair in the middle of the bagpipe group, circle around him and play. <laughs> nice. And we became great friends. And he said he had a, he had two dogs, Izzy and Honor. And I was like, well, where are they? And he goes, well, they're in a, in a kennel, in a dog kennel locally. I'm like, no, no, no. I'll, I'll take your dogs for you while you're here. Wow. So we ended up, they were here for nine months. Yeah, fostering them. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we fostered awesome. his dogs. So, <laughs> and could you take yeah. him up there to see him? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, did once. yeah, yeah we, we did a lot, of, a lot of stuff there, a lot of events. Met a lot of interesting people, had dinner, Super Bowl parties. Mm-hmm. We were always, and then um, my uh, chiefs found out about what we were doing because we were kind of hidden under the radar doing this. <laughs> and uh, they wanted to do a whole media story, you know, was, oh, we want right. to do this. So I'm like, no, no, no. no. It's, it's not about us. It's about those guys. Right. Yep. We're not, we're not here to put a feather in our hat to make the department look good. It's not, it's, that's not what we're here for. Sure. Had they take that? Uh, totally respected it. Total. Nice. Yep. I mean, once that was said, we never got another phone call. And then I had a lot of guys from other stations calling me saying, hey, how did you break the ice on doing this? You know, because they want to do something similar. Sure. I was like, eh, figure it out yourself. <laughs> Can't give away all my secrets, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I understand that you are no longer allowed to go up there, or no one can go in. How does? How, when did that happen? It happened probably around 2012, 14, mm. something, something around there. So they we did the cookouts for um, Marines helping Marines, and then it turned out that a lot of um, people that worked at Walter Reed would just kind of crash the barbecue and eat all the food. Uh, so then they started with armbands, and then they're like, no, you can't do that. So finally, they just had to stop. But then security made it so that it's really difficult to get on campus. Yeah. I mean, we still can occasionally, but it's it's rough. Mm-hmm. You got to go through, you know, give them your ID and everything prior, several days prior to get a clearance for, for it. It's just. I mean, it makes sense, but. Yeah. Sure. What about Mike? Is he still going up and visiting? I'm not sure. I don't think so. He's so busy right now. Yeah. He lives in a house built by 
I think it was the Tunnel to Towers. Oh, Gary no, Sinise. Gary Sinise. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's done some some awesome stuff, yeah. and now they're even working with uh, first responders, first responders right. families. One of our right. clients here, and and matter of fact, her husband is on the cup that I'm drinking out of his picture where he died with COVID. That was a line mm. of duty death, and uh, yeah. Gary Sinise has done a lot of things for her and her kids. That's awesome. So, were you actually part of Wounded Warrior? No. no. Okay. We, were, we did our own thing. It was just, they were just called the Wounded Warriors, but um, there was so much controversy around Wounded Warriors and mm-hmm. how much money they actually took and how much they gave. And we don't want to be any, I mean, I don't know if any of that was true or not, but we don't want to be part of that. We just wanted to take care of these guys and their moms. Sure. So, you how know, many of them do you keep up with today? Uh, Mark, Mike. Uh, Eric, um, that's about it. Basically, just three. three of them right now. Yeah. Well, and I can only imagine being a Marine mom. If my child were there in that situation, I can only imagine what your coming up and the things that you were doing right. would even mean to me. Even if yeah. my son was out and unaware mm-hmm. of what, you know, I think sometimes the families kind of feel a little bit left out, right. uh, yeah. and it, the focus tends to go to the to the veteran and and the wounded warrior and. So uh, that's that's quite a calling, and you're to be commended for what you did. We did a lot of good stuff. We um, <clears throat> by doing that, we got invited to a lot of uh, dinners. I ended up meeting the uh, first um, Medal of Honor recipient from Vietnam. Who was that? Uh, I can't remember his name. He was a, a fairly old guy because mm. when oh, Vietnam yeah. started in what '65, '64. Yep. And, um, he ended up uh, thanking me for my service. And I said, and I wasn't in uniform. I was just in plain clothes. He thought I was a Marine. And I was like, no, sir, I'm with the fire department. He goes, well, I, I thank you still. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why are you thanking me? <laughs> and it was at one of the, it was at Morton's Steakhouse. You Can ever, you tell them the story? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's Morton's Steakhouse. And these, they had the Boy Scouts walking around with these trays of jumbo peel, already peeled shrimp. So... I end up grabbing the Boy Scout by his little handkerchief collar. <laughs> I said, don't move. Stand right there. And I'm just like, rah, 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 rah. I'm just eating like shrimp, like, like you know, some kind of homeless starving guy. <laughs> so I ate so much shrimp. And then uh, we had a great time. And the next day we had to go to work. And then they said, oh, by the way, you have to go up to uh, fire rescue medical to get your blood drawn. Thinking, oh, okay, I'm getting a physical. Well, as soon as they draw your blood, then like two weeks later, you get a physical. So I go up there and get my blood drawn and uh, they give you an envelope so they can mail you back your um, blood results. So I would always mess with my post office lady and write, you know, commander of space shuttle, you know, Rick Blanford. You know, I would always put some kind of title on my self-return address. <laughs> but like, you know, every every time I would come up with a different alias to put on my uh, return envelope. So we, I get the blood work and I open up the envelope and I look at my arsenic levels, and it's way high. <laughs> and I'm just reading. The, I'm just watching one of those uh, crime shows about how this woman tried to kill her husband by injecting him with arsenic. You and you know, you've said enough that she can justify this over your years. I get it. I'm with you. So she's sitting there on the bed watching TV, and I and I throw the the report, the lab report, on her lap, and I go, "Explain this." <laughs> <laughs> and she looks at it and just starts laughing. And I'm like, 
what? It's not funny. You're trying to kill me, aren't you? <laughs> She's like, you idiot. You ate all that shrimp the night before and your arsenic level was like off the chart. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. If I wanted to kill him, he'd be dead. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't yeah. be arsenic levels. It wouldn't be something anybody would discover, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it turned out our, our friend Rob Nishiyama, the Marine, same thing happened with him and his wife. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that could lead to some questions by somebody. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, I had the I had the honor of, and keep in mind, I I didn't grow up in the military, so until my son really went in the Marine Corps, I didn't know a whole lot about the military. And I got invited to a dinner with all of the Medal of Honor recipients that were still alive up in Huntsville, Alabama. And I got picked up by a former JAG and another I don't even know what rank he was in the Marine Corps, but uh, anyway, they uh, both Vietnam veterans and. They go, we're taking you to this dinner with these Medal of Honor recipients. And I call my son as we're riding up, and I go, yeah, I'm on my way to Huntsville. Here's who I'm with. And I go, yeah, and we're going up, we're going to hang out with, um, I've forgotten, I, I think he said something like, I don't know, Medal of Honor recipients or something. And my son just is stroking out, you know, going, Mom, do you understand? These are the only people the president salutes. And he's like, get challenge coins. They're like gold. And I'm like, oh, okay, apparently these are somebody. So, okay, whatever. And I'm the only female there. And I've got all these old guys around me, and one of them next to me, uh, Doc Ballard, who had served, I think, Marines and Army or something anyway. And a uh, super funny guy. And we were sitting there, and all of a sudden one of them says, hey, Doc, Susan doesn't have a nickname um, to be a part of this group. You need, She needs a nickname. And he probably hadn't been talking to me maybe 15 minutes, but apparently he's a very sharp individual. And... Uh, I mean, off his tongue rolls. I got it. Psycho bitch. <laughs> and I went, I think I'm honored by this. <laughs> and so that's what I was known to this group as. <laughs> and I thought, I think there's and a problem. Don't positive. cross me. Yeah, exactly. They don't I, cross you, do they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and was honored to get a few of the challenge coins that obviously are my sons yeah and uh yeah they were they were a really fun group that was a whole lot of fun and the story hearing them talking and the sense of humor was amazing absolutely amazing so that's amazing so tell us what do you guys do to kind of fill that need because that that's you know that's a service it's like leaving the fire service paid You, you wind up jumping back into the volunteer side of it what do you do to kind of fill that need that you were filling there at Walter Reed? Um, I don't know. What do so, I do? oh, I do. Okay. So our daughter had a, a friend that she went to high, junior high with, middle school, whatever they call it now. Mm-hmm. And um, hit bad home life. And um, mom moved to Florida, kind of left him behind. Well, he went with her and then he came back and he was kind of just floundering and so our daughter was away at college and we stayed in contact with him and we're like listen you got to get it together Mm -hmm. and so we would go out to dinner with him and rick said you know what you need to get your ged you need to get a car get a job and he said i I can't you know because i work at 7-eleven and rick said you can come live with us Mm -hmm. for free but you have to do these things and this kid did it nice he did it he got his GED, he got a car, he just got married a few weeks ago, he bought his own home. Oh, and, um, you know, Rick was always the one, he was at Rick's retirement, mm-hmm. Rick was always the one that he looked to for advice because he never had a dad. Sure. So he was his mentor. 
good for you. That's yeah. a true servant's heart there, that's right. and that's what yeah. we all should be doing. Exactly. That, that's uh, you know, there are so many that need that have needs, even if you can only help one. That that's kind of our right. philosophy at right. under the shield. Your goal is to help one, and anything above that is is icing on the cake. Our daughter teases me that I'm everybody's mom. They call me Mother Goose. At least you get called right? mom. I'm thinking Mother Goose, yeah. she's not the most attractive thing yeah. in the world. But. I'm sure they call me other things too, but I mean, you know what? You're hungry, I'll feed you. You're yes. scared, come to my house. Yes. You're gay and your parents kicked you out, come to me. I love you. Yes. You know, and that's the way my mom, all right, we're about to have a dog. <laughs> we have a dog trying to talk to us. That's right. He just wants yes. his time so, on the podcast. Two of them, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, you know, that's the way I was raised with with that, you know, I'm lucky that I grew up in a, a loving home and my kids did. And I want every kid to feel like they're loved and safe here. Sure. It's that caring, that nurse in her that it it doesn't just go, turn off when you're not at work. You know, that's that's part of who you are. That's yeah. for sure. To me, I think that is something that people need to know about your experiences there, because I think people have an image of what our military personnel look like in places like Walter Reed, and that it's all dark and doom and gloom, and you're telling me yeah. you walk around the corner and Mike's popping wheelies, and, you <laughs> know, right. in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, Fiddler, on his, so when he was, after his um, wounds weren't healing, they put him on like this cart, like a motorized cart, mm -hmm. and he had to lay like on his belly. Dude learned how to flip it like wheelies on it with Stacy following him around. Just he went to the PX and bought a large flat screen TV, and they rigged it up to his cart, and he drove that thing from the PX all the way back to his apartment <laughs> with, his, with yeah. his flat screen TV strapped to his cart. That's <laughs> awesome. Those kids—I mean, I call them kids because they were uh -huh. right younger than my kids right. now. Um, there was a, a guy, what was his name? The guy that got blown up and he fell in the hole. Redheaded kid, and he lost his arms and his legs. Mm -hmm. And he went down in a hole, and he was just so mad that he couldn't wipe his eyes. That's all he cared about. I couldn't get the dust on my eyes to get out of the hole. Oh, wow. I mean, they were so, they just, my heart was breaking for them every right. second, although you can't tell them that. But, sure. I mean, they were just, they just took it in stride. They were kids. They yes. were babies. Yeah. Sure. Babies, and they, you know, and they. Well, we learned a lot from them. We got more from them than they than they get from us. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, we right. we have found that also in a lot of the people that we deal with, and that to me is a side that I wish could be painted, and people could hear more about. It doesn't take away the need for the things they need to make their lives as whole as we possibly can, or easier than you know. Um, but I think it also makes a point that these people this is not just a job to them this was something the honor and they knew going into it these were possibilities right. and yeah. they and they didn't let it in their lives and destroy them right. no they just picked up and carried on yes yes yeah so bonnie how long have you been um in working in the icu i've been a nurse since 1999 and i was a paramedic before that Okay. And then how long working in ICU? Since 2012. <laughs> so why you went from the emergency room, again, adrenaline junkie, <laughs> right. to ICU? Why the change? Um, so I went, I left ER and then I did um, a whole bunch of other stuff because the kids were little. 
So I was a float pool nurse. So I went to every unit in the hospital except for labor and delivery because, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And those little people scare me and nick you. So um, then I just, after the kids were older and I could find a permanent home, I settled on my CU. Wow, you know, it's, so ER is good. It's fast. Mm-hmm. It's um, your patients come in, you know, we're a trauma center. They come in, they come out, but you don't ever get to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But you have and, to have that even, sense of humor that you have. And because, yeah. so, you know, now I've been with cops and, and fire for a 32 years, but some of the sickest humor I ever heard was in the emergency room, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So then um, I had more time to devote to um, my job and clinically and learning and critical care was where I wanted to be. So that's why I'm here. Good for you. I think that's called the flight deck. Yeah, we're the flight deck. (laughs) You know, we're... we're You're either going to go to heaven or you know <laughs> go back to a lower unit so. yeah. two directions that's it yeah. one yeah, or the you're, other you're getting out of here in two ways that's but it. It, you know what it's awesome because we get to i get to know the families mm-hmm. yeah. and i get to look at my patients and um i get to look at clinically what's happening with them and um psychosocial what's happening with their families and sure. holistically what what i can do to help sure you know sometimes just giving somebody a bath with real soap Yes. Right. And brushing their hair. Yes. And, you know, letting mom come hold their hand after visiting hours and being a human being. Yes, absolutely. That, that's got to be a tough position to, to work in, though. I mean, it is. And, you know, I like there are a lot of times when one of my patients is dying and we are in the room and um, we have to we have to keep the, you know, the monitors on, but mm-hmm. we just have to silence the alarms. And so I just stand there. I lost my mom when I was 32 mm-hmm. to a, a brain injury. And um, so it just always catapults me back there to being them. Sure. And I just stand there, you know, silencing alarms and doing what I have to do, thinking I have to go to the grocery store. We need bleach <laughs> and bread and we have to cut the grass because it's not about me. It's not about me in that moment. I can't cry because it's right. not my story. Right. Right. You know, so, you know, you cry later in the in the break room. But um. Yeah. Do you two talk to each other about the things on the job? Have you always done that? Always. Good always. There have been mornings when we were both, when he was on the job and I would come home and we would just sit there and have coffee and just be like, fuck, you know, what, what happened? Mm-hmm. How do things get this bad? Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah. Would, he would come home sometimes and I'd be sitting in the hot tub crying with a glass of wine. He'd be like, okay, bad night. Uh-huh. <laughs> Move over. Yeah, that's right. We don't have to explain it to each other. Right, right. You know, we don't have to say what happened, what's wrong, why are you so sad. Mm-hmm. You know, you just we just offload each other's pain. Sure. Well, and I think that's something that's missing in so many couples in the first responder world. There's mm-hmm. there's this training and crazy stuff we're building into our first responders. Don't bring this stuff home like they can really shed it. Sure, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, your home is your place where you're supposed to reset. Yes. Every, unload everything. Right. It's a safe haven. Yes. I mean, I feel bad for the guys that have wives that don't understand because you can just see it. It's not going to last. It's yeah. Right. Well, and the hard part about it is they don't understand because so many of it's been hammering in their heads and training. Don't separate the two. Separate the two. And it's admirable to think you could do that, but it doesn't work because you bring the mood home, not the words, and then it's our fault. We've done something, and 
you know, again, how can a spouse understand if you don't come home and teach them? Right. That's where it comes from. They keep it all inside and then they blow their heads off. Yes, absolutely. That's the garbage can theory that that I wrote 32 years ago. And we've got to teach them. They have a a psychological garbage can and what it looks like and how to keep the garbage down. Because every day you could be putting new garbage in it. And families have to understand that also. We had years and years ago um, a roommate that was a fireman and was an alcoholic and had issues, tons of issues, and came home. And Rick wasn't supposed to be there. So we married. He was like out of town or something, but he was there. And then a friend called me and said, Sean has a gun. He's our roommate. He was a fireman. He's going to kill himself. And so we like called the police, did all the things, and we stood there and Sean blew his head off. Oh wow! Was, and he was there at your home when it happened. Yeah, we all, we were all roommates. Wow. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. You know, and and that's because he was the generation. Uh, he was young, but you don't talk about it. You don't mm-hmm. tell people you're hurting. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew because I was really close to him, and I checked him into the hospital. I did all the things, but they're like, "Oh, you're fine. Go home. You're good." They said you don't have a drinking problem. You, you have friends that too. So stop yeah. hanging around them. Sure. Yeah, that, absolutely. And that's the problem with the mental health world. No understanding of the industry and a little either too dismissive or too overreactive. Right. And, and it makes them not want to go talk to somebody. And that's one of the things we're trying to change here at Under the Shield. That's why we call it stress coaching, not therapy. It's education. Because- absolutely. And Sean knew. He knew. And when the detective said, Sean, this is Detective Tracy with Montgomery County Police, he pulled the trigger. Yeah. Because he knew that they were going to do like an emergency petition. He was going to lose his job. It sure. was, you know, he was going to be humiliated. Mm-hmm. That's it. And yeah. we've got to do a better job. And like I said, that's one of the things we're trying. And we wish mental health would uh, kind of come to the table and understand rather than it's all about licensure because it just isn't. Right. Right. And that's right. one of the things that we're. 32 years later, people are going, huh, there's something to this anonymity and no notes and no records. Look at that. I was just 32 years too early. Yeah, yeah, right. And what's the body count from that? Right. Yeah. How crazy is it to provide a safe place for someone to come talk to? Especially the the, the providers and and those that serve the public. Exactly. Nurses don't have one. We don't have one. Oh, well, we have we don't have um, one patient. I mean, during COVID, we had 10 or 12 patients dying on sure, a shift. Sure. We got nothing. We got, uh, oh, well, you know, it's just you signed up for this. No, I didn't. I mean, I did, but I didn't. And no, you signed up to help people, not to let them die and watch that. Right. Actually, a 22 year old die while I held his hand and held a, an iPhone for his mom. Mm-hmm. But wow. um, there's. There's no, there's no formal training in at least no place I've ever worked. Um, there's nobody there to say it's okay if you're not okay. It's well, yeah, that was sad. Can you work Tuesday? <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow morning. Yeah. Um, right. Is was it is it frowned upon for nurses to go to mental health? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess we really haven't talked to enough nurses to right. even realize. Uh, can it be career ending? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends that just couldn't do it anymore, and they left. No, I mean, it, seeking mental health. If you're going oh, to someone um, who's taking notes and keeping records, can that? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, because the next time you have an issue, they're going to be like, well, there's a pattern. So gotcha. no. hospital administrations are terrible. They don't they don't care. They, have no idea. they don't care about us. They don't care about the nurses. They care about the bottom line. And can you come to work so we can take these patients and um, you're sad, you're crying, you know, you have all these symptoms. Oh, well, you know, we have an e hotline. Just call it on your day off. But don't call in sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't call in sick. That's right. Yeah, the machine might stop. National Association of Firefighters actually has a wellness center close to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. for the whole country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of I've had friends that, that went down there and checked themselves in for different issues. So they are recognizing it, but it had to, it had to go as far as the IAFF, the right. International Association mm-hmm. of Firefighters, the unions. Sure, sure. That's why I keep selling her. I said, you know, why don't <sighs> nurses don't bond like like firemen do, like, you know, start an association and have, you know, some kind of so the reason why the nurses don't do it is because they're all most of them, ninety eight percent of them are women. And they just don't get along. <laughs> they do not get along. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is you know, that not the truth? It's not the truth. It's the truth. It's not the truth. Well, I I, yeah. I trust a lot of men more than I do some women, but, you know, again, yeah. it doesn't, I mean, flight attendants, they have a union, and they're predominantly female, right. Uh, right. but they have a union. Nurse, nursing is so diverse, so many countries, so many mm-hmm. nationalities, so many ethnicities and different beliefs, and sure. what one ethnicity will accept, another one won't. So, um, so maybe yes, we need a just, medical division of under the shield. That's right. Yes. Seriously. Sign me up. Sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. We just, yeah. Uh, you know, we just have to look at our mission statement and stuff. And that actually might be something that, uh, could really be an addition to what we're already doing. So don't be surprised if we do call you. That's... You know, what we do is we find our village, right? We mm-hmm. find our safe place, our safe um, colleagues, our sisters in nursing and brothers in nursing, and we find our village and we support each other. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's just the Wild West. You know, you just have to um, you just have to know who your people are. Sure. And I've always been lucky to find my people. And, you know, we I have had nurses approach me about doing training for them, but it just never seemed to materialize. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of Let's that, do it. yes, exactly. You know, I go, sure, I'll be happy to do a three-hour session or whatever to teach the things we teach to first responders, but it just never seems to come together. And, you know, I think some of that, too, is because y'all don't really necessarily work with the exact same people all the time uh, overall. Mm-hmm. Right. Like fire does, yeah. PD right. does, sheriff's departments right. do that kind of thing. So. I think that's probably what makes it hard to get something organized to even do that training. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, Zoom is Zoom is so acceptable these days that, yeah. you know, if you can get some of yours together that you would want us to do a Zoom training. Absolutely. absolutely. Sure. We yeah. could put one on that at least shows you what we do right. at Under the Shield to see if it is something because we would need nurses to become stress coaches because that's how we operate. You have to uh-huh. have done it been married to it, raised by it, or given birth to it to understand the lifestyle. And so nurses, we would need nurses, which we have a few that are spouses of law enforcement here 
that are nurses that are stress coaches already, but um, that would be a, another angle to it. So that's something we probably need to explore and talk to yeah. you about, and we'll make sure you have all the We're contact here. information and another way to get you here to Arizona. You can sit on my back porch. I have a beautiful yes, waterfall please. in the backyard, and uh, yeah, and the weather's getting really nice. We're getting through the rainy season, what we call the rainy we have, season. Um, we have snow. We have a lot of we have snow out there. <laughs> yeah, you yeah you need a break. <laughs> We're usually in Florida this time of year. So. I, I, that'll blame you. I would be too. A little bit of snow goes a long way. Yeah, I think we're going to be up close to 70s for yep. the rest of the week now. Yep. So right. and sunny, uh, but yeah. it rained. It's rained a lot for us in the last. How couple close of weeks. are you to uh, Prescott, Arizona? About an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. Very That's easy where Mike Martinez's family's from. Oh, okay. Very, very easy job. Yeah. 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 And yeah. his mom Sharon in Prescott. Beautiful place. So maybe we could get her to come down here and. Oh, you would love her. Be on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate y'all taking time out of your busy morning and busy schedules with dogs and kids and all the other things you have going. And having to wake up to be on the podcast. Oh, isn't that something? I, sorry we had to wake you up at 11 o'clock, but, you know, whatever. I'm taking half a pill tonight. <laughs> yes, 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 or no pill. Yeah. is no joke. I mean, no, I'm yeah. like, okay, it's not supposed to make you unconscious. Right. It's just the most to help you sleep. Yeah, we're, we're going to give you a little bit of advice off air on this and what you need to be doing. Thank you. <laughs> so, Tom, you want to wrap us up here? Yes. Uh, so for all our listeners, um, if you are struggling out there, going through those dark times, we are here for you. Uh, we're here 24-7. You call us. Um, you don't need to give us a name. You can just say, hey, I need some help. Um, and you'll get someone to talk to. If you call us on our phone number of 855-889-2348, if you hit extension number one, it will get to somebody. It just rolls to the first available stress coach. So stay on the line. Uh, once you reach somebody, if we get disconnected for some reason, we do not have your phone number. So you will have to call us back. Um, you dial that same phone number. You hit extension two. It will go to Susan's voicemail, most likely. Yeah, I ain't answering it. I'll just tell you now because I'm usually too busy going doing something else. And we're telling you people, don't do that. I'm going to give you my cell number. Text me, 334-324-324. Uh, and I say, if the sun is up in Arizona, because some of y'all might be somewhere else, but if the sun's up in Arizona, you text me. If the sun's down in Arizona, you call me. If you hit extension three, you'll get our counterpart, David Cohen in Alabama. And if you hit extension four, that'll come to me. Or you can call me directly on my cell phone at 480-861-6574. Families, that goes for you too. Uh, you guys are usually left wondering, who do I call? Where's it safe? Um, safe place to talk with somebody. That That's what we do. Um, and you are welcome to call us. We can put you in contact with another spouse. If you're a child of a first responder, we have stress coaches that are uh, that grew up that same lifestyle. So we've got someone that has lived what you're going through, most likely. And understands. Uh, and, yeah, there's no judgment. Uh, but we can give you help. We, we, we don't refer you out to other people. We handle everything, whether it's finances, it's marriage issues, it's just the job itself, all that kind of stuff. Like Susan says, that psychological garbage can gets overflowing and you need to learn how to empty it. We can teach you that here. And we've been doing it a while, just 32 years. That's, that's yes. just, just 
couple couple of <laughs> clients here and there, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we uh, have a pretty good track record. And again, all of you that are so cynical because we understand that population, you know, if we had ever breached confidentiality or ever cost anybody their job or anything like that, we wouldn't be here. We'd have been sure. shut down immediately. So reach out. Again, we're here 24-7. Um, don't hesitate to call us. We, we would love to help if we can do that for you. Um, God bless you. God bless this um, great nation and all the families out there. Come back and join us next week. And thank you all again for being on with us this morning. Thank, thank you. you.